This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So I'm just starting this week a show with Jane Seymour called Harry Wild. Yeah, it's so fun because it falls under the uh, person who is not an official police person or right. or like in, in the judicial department or anything like that is like, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to help you solve this crime, which is one of my favorite types of ladies. And yeah, so Jane Seymour, I guess, is a retired English professor and her son is a police detective and she just can't help but get involved in the cases he's working on. Yes, and they have a new season coming out this month, so it's the perfect time for you to jump in, Nick. And Jane Seymour is wonderful. Wonderful. So you out there, check that out, and check out all the great stuff that Acorn TV has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Hey there, it's Nick. And it's Leah. So we're doing another live show. Where you raised by wolves live. And this time we're going to be on the West Coast. Portland, Oregon, babies. So come see us on June 15th. And we're going to be at the Siren Theater. And the show starts at 7.30. So go to our website, whereyourraisedbywolves.com slash live and get some tickets. Join us. Do you eat off of service plates? Do you lend people expired spices? Do you ask people for favors and not reciprocate? Were you raised by wolves? Let's find out. Here are things I can make. It's Nick Leighton. And I'm Leah Bonema. And let's get right down to it with our amuse-bouche. Let's get in it. So for today's amuse-bouche, Leah, please describe for our listeners what you see. Um, It's a it's a play setting. Okay. And mm-hmm. there's a baby plate and a middle plate. And then mm-hmm. underneath that, there looks like a, it looks like a red plate. So what is the red plate? I assume it's some sort of a, a changer. So you can like pull the plate away without touching the plate or maybe it's just like a plate decorate, like a bed skirt. Is it a bed skirt for your plate? Or it could be for people such as myself who maybe tend to have little things dribble off the side of the plate Uh and uh it's like uh a dribble catcher. Right. Actually, you're pretty much right spot on with all of that. Yes. Woo! So what we're talking about, it's called a charger and it's also called an underplate or a place plate. Or Miss Manners actually likes the term service plate because she says the word charger is too aggressive. Oh. So, <laughs> so I use the word charger. But basically, it is a decorative plate that goes underneath all the other plates you'll actually be eating off of. And so it's going to be larger than all the other plates. And it can be made out of many materials. It can be china or glass or metal or leather or mother of pearl. And it's an opportunity to add a little panache to your table. And so chargers have actually been around for a very long time. There's references to it in the Bible. When they talk about John the Baptist's severed head on a platter, they actually use the word charger in a lot of the translations in the Bible. And it became popular in the 19th century. And the idea is basically that it would catch drips and spills and that it would also sort of be like a trivet. Mm. And I'm not actually quite sure like how many sizzling fajita platters Queen Victoria was serving, but (laughs) I guess, you know, a very hot plate. uh, This is, you needed something like a charger. So 
Here's how you use them. Because I have definitely been at quite a few dinner parties where they are used incorrectly. And far be it for me to ever point it out. However, I feel like our audience wants to know how you're really supposed to do it. Well, I want to know. (laughs) So first things first, you do not eat off of a charger. Don't put food on a charger. That's not what they're for. I mean, how would you know it's a charger when you saw it? So you will know it's a charger because the charger is always going to be at the place setting as soon as you enter the dining room. It's set along with everything else. So it's always going to be this decorative thing on the place setting. And either the napkin will be on top of it, or if it's like a fancy sort of event where they already put out like the first course or like the amuse-bouche or something like that, then that'll be on top of the charger. And you'll know the charger because usually it's going to be decorative Mm. in some way. Okay. It's going to add a certain je ne sais quoi to the table. Sometimes the charger is just the dinner plate that you'll be eating off of later, but that would be in a fairly informal setting. And so I don't think we have to be too worried about that. In which case, I guess you will eat off of the charger, quote unquote, because the charger is really just the dinner plate. You're getting technical, Leah. No, I'm just, I'm very curious. Because <laughs> I, I, as soon as you said that, I, I immediately thought, well, I'm, I'm sure I've eaten off a charger. <laughs> but chargers are typically only seen in fancy events. Okay. And so a fancy event is going to have a charger that's going to be a little fancy. So I think you'll, you'll know a charger when you see it. And they're typically only used for like lunch and dinner. You will rarely see a charger at breakfast unless it's like a wedding breakfast which I guess happens. And the general principle that we're trying to achieve at a formal dinner is a diner is never left with an empty place setting in front of them. They will always have something there. And so the idea with the charger is it is that something. So for proper use, the first course will go on top of that, the soup course, the salad course. But then when we get to the fish course or the meat course, the charger goes away. Oh, You do not put your entree on top of the charger. So you do not leave it throughout the entire meal. And if you want to be formal, as the charger is being removed from the right, because we always remove things from the right, the new course, the meat course, let's say, swoops in from the left in the same motion. So like the waiter behind you or the host is going to, with their right hand, whip the charger away and insert the new dish immediately so that, as we remember, the diner is never left with something empty in front of them. And then after the main meal is done, obviously the table is cleared and then we have dessert and there's no charges for dessert. Beautiful. Right? Now, sometimes people do get a little more informal and they do leave the chargers throughout the meal as sort of like a decorative thing. And I have seen that and I think it's fine. I mean, like I'm not hung up about it. Miss Manners would be very disappointed in you though. So I guess it depends if you want to disappoint Miss Manners. I mean, I feel like she's probably disappointed a lot. So (laughs) add it to the list. And we're back, and now it's time to go deep. This is very deep. This is very (laughs) (laughs) anxiety-producing. So for today's question of etiquette, I want to talk about asking people for favors. And I feel like we probably approach this slightly differently. Oh, I guarantee we do. (laughs) So I think the first question is, what is a favor? What's a favor? Oh, you always throw me for a loop when we have to describe what it actually is. Yeah. <laughs> I should always be ready to be like, what it is specifically. Yeah, you should know by now. No, I yeah. know. Why do I not know by now? That's so crazy. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, that's where we should start. We start with the definition right yeah. up top. I think it's asking somebody to help you in some way. Right. To do something for you. Right. It's an action. And I think the flavor of the favor is that it's not an obligation. It's a voluntary act. Yeah, definitely. So when it comes to favors, I think 
let's talk about like how to ask for a favor. Because I think people who have trouble with favors in general have trouble with both the asking part and then also the answering part. Oh, this is great because I feel like from both angles, asking for favors and what to do when a favor is asked, it's difficult on both ends. So I love that you said that. Yeah. So I think for me, I actually like to use the phrase, I have a favor to ask. And here's what it is. So it's right up top, like this is a favor, which means like you can say no. And here's what it is. And I think you always want to just be very clear with what the favor is so that the person can make an informed decision about whether or not to accept or not. Because I think you get into trouble when like it's vague and like the favor changes. Oh, I totally agree. A, I love that because I've actually used that. I have a favor to ask. I like to just make Mm -hmm. it very clear. I know that I'm asking for a favor. And I've had people ask me for favors where I genuinely don't know what the question was. (laughs) Okay. And I get that it's because they were anxious asking or or maybe they weren't exactly sure what they were, but I don't understand what you're looking for. Yeah. What do you need from me? So I agree with that. Make sure it's clear. Very clear. Because you don't want somebody to have to do extra work deciphering. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just say what it is and be clear about it. And there's this book called Influence, which is sort of about the psychology of persuasion. And the author found that if you added a reason if you use the word because, you'll have better luck having them accept. Because even if your reason is flimsy, people will be more willing just to agree to it if you've given them something. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Right? A context. Yeah, so just like a little reason. I always, and I think this is where, I'm not sure if this is a bad quality I have because I think I'm very uncomfortable asking people for things. I was sort of raised in a we don't ask, which is Mm -hmm. not healthy and it's not good. But I like to give people an out which is yes. maybe not good because- you're- No, that's good. Always give okay. an escape. Yeah, yes. because I don't like it when I understand sometimes things are uncomfortable and I I don't want people to feel put out. It's a bad time. It's a thing that puts them uncomfortable. So I always try to say that at the end, if this is a bad time or if this is not a thing that really no worries. I'm just, I'm putting it out there if this is a possibility. No, I think that's key. Got to give them an out. Give them an opportunity for escape because you don't want them to feel obligated to say yes. And you don't want them to feel guilty about saying no. Yeah. So I think you want to make it very clear. Like, I'm only asking you for a favor, which is voluntary. And it's cool if you can't do it. Oh, I'm, uh, I didn't know if you were going to agree with me on that end one because I'm always so wishy-washy. Uh, <laughs> not wishy-washy, but being like, totally okay if you can't do it. But yeah, I always feel that way. No, I think if you're asking for a favor, because you don't want to trap people. It's like that whole, like, oh, I just texted you like, hey, you free Tuesday? And it's like, that's a trap. Yeah, it's a trap. Free for what? I don't know. Yeah. So you want to give context and you want to give people the opportunity to know like how to respond. So letting people know that like they're not obligated to do this thing, that's very helpful, I think, when you're asking. Great. And then I think you want to accept no, be okay if they say no. I think that's important. Yeah, of course. Well, you say of course, but like the number of times that someone's asked you for a favor and you said no and they got all bent out of shape about it. I mean, How about the number of times people have asked me for a favor and I've said no? Let's just start with that because... <laughs> <laughs> so very short list. Okay. No, I, and I didn't mean wishy-washy earlier. I said that I mean more like I always like to be extra careful. Right. And I didn't know if this was a place where maybe that was working against the idea of a favor, but I just hate the idea of making somebody uncomfortable. And then there's sort of a special category of favors where when the favor you're asking has to kind of do with the person's profession. And I think that gets a little trickier. Like if you're a lawyer and someone asks you to like review a legal document or you're a doctor and someone asks you to like, look at this thing on my body. And so 
I think there is a slightly different category of favors that have to do with like your professional expertise. And I think you have to be even more mindful about how you ask for those favors and be even more comfortable with them saying no. Like as a lawyers or like your livelihood is involved in like using your time to review contracts like this. So you're basically asking this person like to do free work. Oh, I'm just taking a moment because those are the only favors I really get asked. And the difference between how I feel about it is whether or not the person recognizes in their favor ask that what they're asking me to do is what I do for a living and it's going to be taking time away and that Mm. how the person asks with that in mind is the difference between whether or not it's a favor that bothers me or not. Right. Yes. Yeah. Because it's not just like, oh, would you help me move a piano? It's like, oh, would you use your professional expertise to do this free comedy thing? Yeah. Right. Or to look at my thing or to suggest me to this person. Oh, yeah. Read this script or give me notes on this thing or. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Using your you know professional capital. That's so correct. And then I think being appreciative if somebody does do the favor for you. I think that I think at the end of the day is the most important. You have to be appreciative sincerely that someone did a favor for you. I also think that some people act like they're not asking you a favor Mm. in their question when they ask you. I wrote down, the first thing I wrote down is recognize you're asking a favor. I'll have people ask me for things as if I owe them the thing they're asking me for. So then for a second, I'll be like, why do I feel guilty? And I'll be like, oh, because they're pretending that the way they, and I get that people do that because they're people who like know how to get what they want. Mm. But I just find it so infuriating because it's so disrespectful to somebody to act like they should just do something instead of being like, no, you're asking me for a favor. Yes. Have we ever talked about NLAD? No. Do you know about NLAD? So (laughs) sidebar guys, buckle up. Long story short, I had a friend who was doing an event and asked me to help supervise the volunteers that were going to be doing the gift bag. And I wanted to set parameters to make sure I could really commit to this. And I was like, okay, I I will help supervise. Just confirm like that we're going to have enough volunteers and they're going to be available for enough number of hours so we can actually like get it all done. Okay, great. Confirmed. Six hours, 20 volunteers. Fine. So now cut to not 20 volunteers. I think I might've had three volunteers for like 45 minutes. Mm. And now here I am doing 500 gift bags by myself alone. And then at the 11th hour, inexplicably, one of the items for the gift bag was an apple that needed to be individually wrapped in cellophane and tied with a ribbon. And now here I am individually wrapping 500 apples. Oh, And so- It was not what I signed up for, like, at all. And my friend was not apologetic at all and acted like I was obligated to do this, like I was some employee. And there was zero appreciation. And I kind of just chalked it up to, like, she's stressed out. You know, this is a big event. Like, obviously, like, when the dust settles and the event's over, like, she'll apologize and, like, we'll just move on and it'll be fine. She never apologized. She refused to apologize when specifically invited to apologize to me. I was like, oh, I think I could use an apology here. And uh, she declined. So uh, long story short, she got reseated in my theater. What? That's insanity. So obviously I tell everybody I know that this happened. And as a joke, I created NLAD, which is Nick Layton Appreciation Day. (laughs) And it's every October 1st. And every October 1st, we commemorate a day where we just say, Nick Layton, we appreciate you. I missed so, it this year. Oh, no, I didn't know. Add it to your calendar next year. But yeah, a bunch of my friends have it as like a recurring uh, event on their calendar as a joke. But uh, is it a joke? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So 
Everybody's invited to celebrate NLAD October 1st. Mark your calendar. That's crazy. Yeah. No, it was really, and that's the long story short. It was really, it, it was kind of uh, etiquette 101 and like how not to treat a friend and like how not to ask for favors. Oh my so, goodness. No good deed goes unpunished is the lesson there. But I'm really good at wrapping apples. <laughs> So I think related though, if you do accept a favor, I think it's totally okay to set boundaries. Like, yes, I can do this thing for you, but I need to be back by five or here's what I can do or how I can do it. And I think it's okay to like, you know, negotiate a little bit. It doesn't have to be an unqualified yes. Like I can help you, but. I also, I recently asked for a favor about, Mm -hmm. uh, for something that was in somebody's, uh, as you were saying earlier, in their work sphere. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm asking a favor up top. And then I said why I was asking. And I said, would you have time to talk about it with me? And if not, I totally understand is, you know, I've been reading about it online. Could you point me in a direction? Like, is there something that you've seen on this that you felt like, yeah, that's it. So I gave them like, if they didn't want to take time to talk about it, that's fine. Or they could just be like, oh, this is my favorite person who wrote about this topic. Or Mm -hmm. I've always found this software to be helpful about that. You know what I mean? Or they could just be like, not a good time. I gave them all those options. Yeah, I mean, that's nice. You didn't corner them and you let them respond how they want to respond. And then I think if you're asked for a favor and you want to say no, you can say no. Saying no is okay. Yeah. And you don't have to give excuses. You don't have to say why. I think it's okay to be like, no, I just can't. It's not a good time. Or I'm I'm unavailable. I just love how I said, yeah, like that that was super easy. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, you just toss that out. Yeah, obviously. Duh. Last week I was like laying on the floor because I had to text somebody back. No, but it's totally fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Miss Manners has a great quote on this topic, which is, if manners required doing everything anyone asked, it would soon wipe out morals. (gasps) Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Right? I love it. So I like that. Yeah. That's a great quote. Some people, when you're asking a favor, I I wrote down, have some self-awareness because some people ask for favors that's so ludicrous and they have no acknowledgement that what they're asking of that person is entirely too much. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. If you're going to ask for a favor, like know whether or not it's reasonable. Yeah. Know that you're what you're asking. Yeah, that's true. And I'm sure you have some very specific favors in mind that you cannot say to protect the innocent. (laughs) Protect the not innocent. But for some reason, I'm like a lot of our letter writers. I end up feeling bad, even though it's another person who put me in a corner. Yeah, I definitely received a request where it was like, are you kidding me? Do you think this is okay? Yeah, that's what I want to text back. Do you (laughs) think this is an appropriate thing to ask? Like you really, you, you really think that this is an acceptable thing to ask me to do for you? Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Although, I mean, some people do have the attitude like, well, if you don't ask, you don't get. But I don't know if that's always appropriate. It is. I, a lot of people do tell me that. They'll be like, well, you know, they're just putting themselves out there. And I'll be like, I don't know if. Oh, well, you can be rude and putting yourself out there. Yeah. No, yeah, that's, that's exactly not mutually what it is. exclusive. So true. Sure. Yeah. That's you could definitely be out there and rude. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I feel like when people ask for friend favors, it's significantly less layered than job favors. Yes. I think when we have a different relationship, yes. Because like friends will be like, hey, can you help me with this move? And you'll be like, openly be like, I absolutely hate your guts, but of course. Right. Of course I'll show up and help (laughs) you move. And I'm going to make fun of you the whole time. And you better get me ice cream. Yes. I mean, (laughs) I think the size of the favor or your willingness to do the favor is proportional to what your relationship is with the person that asked. Yeah. You know, I think that's, I think that's true. 
And it's so, very weird when people who don't know you well ask you for favors. Yes, that becomes bold. It's very bold, and I find it uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I think the unfamiliar person that asks for favors, yeah, that's inappropriate. I'll tell you what my therapist said. My therapist said, they can ask, and then you can say no. Because otherwise, no morals. No morals. Such a great quote. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So on your recommendation, Leah, I started watching Happy Valley. Yes. And now you see how the title is ironic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And also, so much is going on in this town. So much is going on. We already, we started at 10. And then we keep going up. But I will say the lead, she is so good. She's unbelievable. Why are they better actors over there? She is incredible. Yeah. And just, yeah, the way the storytelling is done and the way it's shot, like, oh, it it, it got me. It got me. I'm in. I'm I'm so glad. I knew you would love it. I was like, this is great storytelling, great acting. Also, I sweat. I break a full sweat in that show. So you out there, check that out and check out all the stuff that Acorn has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Book of the Month. I am loving getting to pick my Books of the Months. Is that the appropriate way to pluralize it? I'm loving getting my books of the month, but for multiple months now. So books of the months. Yeah. Oh, it's so easy to order. It's super convenient. Their selection is wonderful. And this month I picked The Ministry of Time, which sounds wild. It is about a civil servant who's helping to manage some government program where time travelers from other eras like come to help with something. And then they apparently fall in love. What? So like this guy from the 1800s is like, what's Spotify? And then like, you know, love happens. So I cannot wait to receive this. (laughs) You know, love happens. And you out there, you're going (laughs) to love Book of the Month. So you can get your first book for just $5 with code PEDALS. So go to bookofthemonth.com and use code PEDALS to get your first book for just $5. And we're back. And now it's time to take some questions from you guys in the wilderness. Ow! So our first question is, quote, Tonight, I was making King Ranch chicken, and three-fourths of the way through the recipe, I realized I had no chili powder. So I texted my neighbor to ask if I could borrow some, and she graciously said yes and walked it over to my husband, who was working in the garage. I texted her a thank you and got back to the recipe. I then realized that the chili powder container had an expiration date of 2013. I decided that maybe she likes the large bottle and buys it in bulk and refills it. Certainly the spice isn't more than seven years old. I feel like I should just return it and thank her instead of asking about the freshness of the spice. I mean, I made the recipe and we ate it, but I would want to know if my spices were out of date. Any thoughts on this? This made me giggle so hard because I felt the conundrum. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a puzzle. I also think it's, puzzle. it's funny to me because uh, when I was home visiting my mom, my mom really has is a, finds Best Buy dates to be negotiable. Okay. So there was a lot of me being like, do you think that we should have this? I mean, sometimes the date is pretty flexible. Yeah, for some things. Yeah, I mean, some items I, I'm more careful with. I'm probably more lenient with my vanilla extract than I am with like 
milk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? I feel like there's three options on this one. Well, before we get there, let's talk about King Ranch Chicken. Do you know what this is? <laughs> no, I don't know what it is. I looked it up because I was like, I don't know what King Ranch Chicken is. So according to Wikipedia, it is a popular Tex-Mex casserole, and it gets its name from the King Ranch, which is, quote, one of the largest ranches in the United States. Although apparently... This casserole thing has nothing to do with the ranch. It's just named after the ranch. And basically what you do is you do a layer of tortillas or corn chips, and then you add a mixture of shredded chicken, and then you add a mixture of like a mix of canned tomatoes with green chilies, and then cream of mushroom soup and cream of chicken soup with diced bell peppers and onions. So it's like Tex-Mex hot dish, I guess. Mm. So the photos online look so good. <laughs> so I'm real into King Ranch chicken right now. <laughs> and uh, I might make it this weekend because uh, I'm really into it. So that's King Ranch chicken. Uh, the spice is definitely seven years old. There's not a world in which this woman <laughs> no, refills love- the container <laughs> I love with that new idea. spices. I love yeah. that this, our letter writer, because that was something I would do where you create a story. Yeah. She might have refilled it. No, she didn't. No. No, we do not live in a world in which like we use the plastic container from Costco and we refill that with fresher spice. No, no. Uh-uh. Unless she belongs in this co-op. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not happening. But spices do last a while. They do. I mean, I think I think you got, you know, I'm a sure couple it's years. fine. Well, I think spices don't become toxic. Yeah, they're like, not going to kill, kill you. you. But, you know, they lose potency. So it's not going to have the same oomph. As like a fresh spice. Should you tell though? Should you tell? My gut reaction was just to say thank you and return it. Yeah, I think you let it go. I think you let it go. I mean, do you though? Would you want to know if your spices were old? You know. I do. If I gave you something and then you came back and were like, did you know this about your thing? I'd be like, ah, in my mind, I'd be like, oh, thanks for telling me. That would come out of my mouth, but my mind would be like, I'm not lending something to you again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be a lot of people's reaction. The only, even though you probably didn't mean it that way, I think the person might feel embarrassed. It might embarrass them. Right, like, oh, I don't keep a tidy home. Yeah. I don't have good food safety practices here. Yeah. So. The other option, I think, is to, if you felt a way about it, is that you could buy them a new chili powder and be like, thank you so much. I used a whole lot. I love hot stuff. Wanted to get you a new one. Okay. Because I'm so appreciative. And this one is fresh. I just bought it. It's not old. <laughs> Throw out your old one. I mean. No, I like that. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I feel like somebody who doesn't care about spice expiration dates, that's just a personality type. Yeah, and just don't bring it. I, I wouldn't bring it up. I mean, for me... I use a Sharpie to write the date I open baking powder because I do throw it out after six months. I would expect nothing less. You would expect me to use a label maker. I handwrite it with a Sharpie because I'm lazy. But Because I'm lazy. <laughs> Woo! We have different definitions of lazy. We really do. Our next question is, quote, My now husband and I had a small wedding ceremony on an island near Seattle. A best friend to one of my best friends is a photographer in the area and came highly recommended. And her photos are great. So we hired her. After our wedding day, we were supposed to get our sneak peek photos within 48 hours. And then some more teaser ones about a week later. And then our final gallery within eight weeks. We only received our sneak peek photos via text after reminding her about them and didn't get our teaser photos until a month later after my husband asked her twice. In giving us these photos, she admitted that she lost our thank you card, tip, and tea towel gift and found them the other day. 
She also told us that we won't have our final gallery until 10 weeks, not eight. Do I write something back to our photographer saying how we are disappointed in her unprofessional placement of our cash tip and gift and now delayed photos? Or am I overreacting and should just drop it? I do not want to bring up the situation to a mutual friend between us. Well, first of all, late wedding photos is like a thing. Yeah. I feel like if you're a wedding photographer, you would get a lot of business if you could like guarantee that you'll always deliver on time or like money back. I feel like like late photos is like this is everybody has late photos. And these are photos that people are like dying to get. Yeah. I mean, and also it's a known thing that people who get married go crazy with every day that they don't have their photos. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a thing. It's not like people are like, oh, I didn't know you were waiting for them. So (laughs) if you're a photographer out there, just do it. Just get on time. Just get it on time. Deliver on your promises. And that goes for everybody across the board. Yes. You should always... um, Make good on your promises. Yeah. That would be good advice for all aspects of all (laughs) civilization. Yes, thank you. Put it on a pillow. I underline what I think our letter writer could mention. I I don't think mentioning uh, disappointment in the unprofessional placement of the cash tip and gift, but I do think you could mention, hey, our teaser was late because it's the things, items that are late Mm. that are more of the, an issue with the job. Right. Because this person told you they lost the thing and then found it. I mean, this is a customer service situation. And I find in any customer service situation, before I engage, before you call UPS or whatever it is, I always think to myself, like, what do I want in this phone call? What do I need from them in this phone call? And then let's just get that. Because you are always very tempted to berate them or to, like, complain about other things. And it's like, no, we're laser focused. In this phone call, I just need a day definite for when I'm going to get these photos. And like, that's what you're laser focused on. Who cares about the detail? If she lost her cash gift, like whatever. But it's just like, I need these photos and that's what I need. So I would ignore any other issue. However, she has something you want. And so I think we want to be very delicate about how we approach her because she's holding something hostage that like she couldn't not give you in the end. And you want this thing. Yeah. So I think this is a little tricky because you can't go elsewhere. No. The wedding has happened. So she has the only photos of this. So we are held hostage a little bit. We are held hostage. Yeah. But even if we weren't held hostage, I don't think it would be at all helpful, as you were saying, to bring up the tip or the gift, because that's just more something that irritates you. But it's not you're not going to get anything out of bringing that up. Right. Yeah. It's not helpful. It's about the photos. Right. And the photos being delayed. So I think one thing you could say is like, totally understand. It's a busy time of year. I get it. But if there's anything you can do to get us closer to the eight weeks that we talked about rather than 10, we sure would appreciate it. I think that's so perfect. So this would kind of be I'm like- i write it down for myself and use it later. <laughs> it's like, I'm highlighting the fact like we talked about eight weeks. So like in my head, eight weeks is the number and not 10 weeks like you just mentioned. So if there's anything we can do, I love that because two times this week in two very separate occasions, I wrote to people and then they wrote back as if what I said was an arbitrary thing and not the thing that we had agreed upon. Oh, gosh. Excuse me. That happened once. And then the second time with a completely different person, I learned from that first email in the same. And then I reminded them in a manner that you suggested like that, as we had discussed. X, Y, Z. Because somehow it's like people have very selective memory. Yes. Sometimes people uh, omit important details that are material. Yes. Yeah. I actually had someone say to me, where did you get that information? And it was literally the email prior. Where did you get that information? That they sent me. And I was like, it's 
two inches above this email <laughs> in the other email. And that's a little tricky because what you want to say is like, see below. Yeah, but you can't. I want it to be like, are you joking? Please re-review the email thread. Thank you. Because <laughs> you just want to be like, can you just read the thing? Yeah, you're like, I did my thing. work on my end. How did this right. happen? Yeah, so. But I do think it's nice to give people the benefit of the doubt. As you were saying, sure. up top, yes. I, it's a busy time of year. I've I definitely missed things in emails. It happens, yes. So just if you can get it to eight weeks, that'd be great. You know, if it's 10, we don't want 10 to slip to 12. No. You know, I wouldn't rock the boat until you get the photos. I think, I think that's that, my only advice. I think that's such a perfect answer, Nick. So our next thing is a voicemail. So let's play that now. Hi, Nick and Leah. My name is Mike. And I have somewhat of a emergency question that we need answered in 12 hours. We are having friends over tomorrow for dinner. A month ago, they gave us a bottle of wine and we haven't drank it because we are saving it for a special occasion. But do we serve our friends the bottle of wine they gave us, showing that we want to share it and cherish it? Or do we not serve them that bottle because it shows that we haven't drank it yet? and neglected their presence and to serve them a different bottle of wine. Thank you very much for your help. So obviously I wrote them back immediately. This is an emergency. It's what we're here for. So <laughs> You're incredible. I would just like to say, I wish it was Nick Appreciation Day every day because- I mean, and lad, every day. You deserve it. You deserve yes. it. Yes, yes. Mark your calendars. October 1. With a yearly reminder. That's all I want. And you don't even have to tell me you appreciate, but you just, on that day, take a moment and just think, Nick Layton, I appreciate him. I will. That's all. I will. That's all. That's all you need to do. So I wrote the back and I basically told them, like, when you bring a bottle of wine to someone's house, that's a gift to them and they can do with this gift as they please. They're under no obligation to serve it to you then or ever. So that's fine. You don't have to serve this bottle of wine. So when they came over, you can just serve whatever you want. Great. Yeah. When I heard the message, my immediate thought was, this person never said what they wanted to do with it. And the same thing, I was like, it's a gift to you. I think it's about what you want to do with it. Yeah. I mean, at your discretion. Now, if the people come over and be like, where's that bottle of wine? That's rude. You shouldn't do that. You should never really sort of like ask after a gift. Yeah. You know, let them volunteer what they've done with the gift. But if they do ask about it, you could just say like, oh, it's in the cellar. And then sort of pivot to like what you are serving. Right. But like, oh, but we have this lovely Zinfandel. So whatever it is, like you can just sort of pivot the conversation. But yeah, you do not have to serve what they brought. But you can if you want to, correct? You can, yes. If it goes with the meal, that's fine. So I asked them what was the aftermath of this. And so they said that they had a lovely dinner and that they served a different wine. And these people brought another bottle of wine and they had that as well. So they said it was awesome and they didn't ask about the previous bottle and that they know their manners. So another satisfied customer. Terrific. Right? So if you want to be a satisfied customer, send us your questions. You can send them to us through our website, wherewerasemywolves.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail, send us a text message, 267-CALL-RBW. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. And we're back, and now it's time to play a game we like to call Vent or Repent. Vent or Repent! Which is our opportunity to vent about some bad etiquette experience we've had recently, or we can repent for some etiquette faux pas we've committed. So, Leah, would you like to vent or repent? I'm going to vent. Bring it. I'm going to vent, and it's more of a general rudeness that I feel... Ambient. It's an ambient vent. This time of year, I get so worked up about daylight savings time, and now I feel like this is the appropriate place for me to vent. I think it's rude that we're still doing it. It's rude. It's rude to human beings because there are now studies out that show that this hour change, especially in kids having to go to school, Mm. it messes us up. Okay. It messes us up. It throws me into a huge depression. I have to watch Hallmark Christmas movies early. You would do that Hallmark Christmas movies. I would, but. You're just using daylight savings as an excuse. No, it's because I need it because daylight savings time throws me into the pit of despair and it's ridiculous that we're still doing it. And it I is think ridiculous. It's very rude. Very rude. Okay. I mean, I guess if you think about etiquette about showing consideration for others and their well-being, then yes, I guess daylight savings time is rude. I mean, it genuinely messes up our systems. It's been documented. Yeah. I have friends who are farmers, which is why we did this originally for the farmers, because if we were getting up with the sun and going to bed with the sun, it was a different time. I've asked my friends who are farmers, do you like daylight savings time? No, one of them likes it. They're like, guess what? We have lights now. Yeah. No, it's true. We should get rid of it. And it would be nice if we did. Yeah. Really? I'm on board. It works me up. Works yeah. me up. <laughs> I see that. Whoever's in charge of daylight savings time, you're rude. So for me, I would also like to bend. So I was recently um, down in Philadelphia and I took Amtrak to get there. And so I'm on the Acela, which is the faster train. I mean, it's not the Nozomi Shinkansen, but like it's faster. <laughs> what and, is? <laughs> and um, I'm just minding my own business and I'm at the back of the car. And at the other end of the car, and an Acela car, I believe is like 60 feet long, which is like the length of a bowling alley. So at the very other end of the car, there is somebody on his phone the entire time. And he is so loud, so loud, which, okay, yes, rude person, loud, okay. But what made it an etiquette crime on steroids was that he was so rude to everybody he was talking to. So the first phone call was like a bank issue was like some payment that didn't go through. And he was yelling at the top of his lungs and berating this poor person. And now I have this guy's full name, address, birth date, and last form of a social. I'm 60 feet away. So I have all that information. And then he talks to some woman named Debbie. And I guess it sounds like this guy was being indicted and Debbie is part of his legal team. And the whole conversation was just, Debbie, 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 shut up, Debbie. I'm talking. <gasps> Debbie, it's my turn. Do you need a timeout, Debbie? Do you need a timeout? Ah! So it was so patronizing and it was so rude and it was just like very shocking just like how rude he was being to this poor person and yeah maybe they blew it with some paperwork and like I get that but to be so inconsiderate to like the person on the phone plus everybody else in this Amtrak car 
Like there's other people you are in public. Like this is just not how you act in public. So that was amazing. And then he ended the call with Debbie with have a good weekend, um, which <laughs> that was sort of strange. But then there was like, we were going through a tunnel or something and she couldn't hear it. And so he's like, I said, have a good weekend, Debbie. Have a good weekend. And it was so amazing. So then he hangs up and then he dials somebody else. But it accidentally is Debbie again. Oh, no. And so now he has to apologize for to Debbie for like misdialing her. Um, and then he's like, have a good weekend, Debbie. <laughs> oh, no. I can so visualize this person. So I think the lesson here is if you are in public and you are in public uh, on a train, you should be mindful of the tone and volume of your conversation and mindful of other people that have to like suffer this with you. Because now Nick has your last four of your social. Yeah. Now your identity is mine. (laughs) Sorry, Debbie. Sorry, Debbie. I wish we could send her a fruit basket wherever she is. have we learned? I learned that I'm not supposed to eat off the plate charger. Don't do it. It's decorative. No matter how pretty it is. Don't do it. I won't do it. Resist the temptation. And I learned that if I ask you for a favor, you're going to do it. I am. I am. You're going to do it. If you just say this is a favor, I'll be like, sure. But if you pretend it's not a favor, I'm going to have my back up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Leah. Thank you, Nick. And thanks to you out there for listening. If I had your address, I'd send a handwritten note on my custom stationery. He would love to. I would be delighted. (laughs) So for your homework this week, check out our Patreon. And you're like, what's Patreon? Well, go to our website, click on monthly membership, and you can see what it's all about and see if it's something you want to do. And uh, we'd love it. Yeah, please check it out. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. All right, Leah, it's time for Cordial of the Kindness, (gasps) the part of the show that you make us do. And I only give you 30 seconds to do it. Ready, set, go. Okay, so in my neighborhood, you know, people hang signs and I get, the lost animal signs are always so sad. And then especially I get very emotional if it's like this animal needs, you know, medication. So they have mm. a certain amount of time. Or if it's like the kids, it's the kids and the kids really want it. And there was this sign recently that was like super upsetting. And I was like Snapchatting it and putting it on my socials. And then somebody contacted, was actually a friend of mine, contacted me and they found the animal. Wow. And there was actually a group of people in Astoria that when they see lost animal signs, they go out and look. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's just like these volu- people who love animals and they want to return animals to their homes. And I just thought it was the sweetest, most wonderful thing. And it was really heartwarming. Oh, that's nice. And for me, as you'll recall, we just launched cordialsofkindness.com where you guys out there can send in a cordial and we'll read it. And so people are taking advantage of this. Thank you. And uh, here's a very short one, which is, quote, I want to say thank you to my sister-in-law who is unfailingly polite, kind, and thoughtful. I want to be like her when I grow up. <gasps> that is so, so nice. I'm smiling so hard. I love it. That's very nice. I love cordialsofkindness.com. Send them in. We'll read them. Make them short, though. <laughs> Nick has rules. There are still rules here. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So I'm just starting this week a show with Jane Seymour called Harry Wild. Yeah, it's so fun because it falls under the uh, person who is not an official police person or right. or like in, in the judicial department or anything like that is like, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to help you solve this crime, which is one of my favorite types of ladies. 
And yeah, so Jane Seymour, I guess, is a retired English professor and her son is a police detective and she just can't help but get involved in the cases he's working on. Yes, and they have a new season coming out this month. So it's the perfect time for you to jump in, Nick. And Jane Seymour is wonderful. Wonderful. So you out there, check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn TV has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So I'm just starting this week a show with Jane Seymour called Harry Wilde. Yeah, it's so fun because it falls under the uh, person who is not an official police person or right. or like in, in the judicial department or anything like that is like, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to help you solve this crime, which is one of my favorite types of ladies. And yeah, so Jane Seymour, I guess, is a retired English professor and her son is a police detective and she just can't help but get involved in the cases he's working on. Yes, and they have a new season coming out this month. So it's the perfect time for you to jump in, Nick. And Jane Seymour is wonderful. Wonderful. So you out there, check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn TV has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv.